This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're yawning our way into episode number 58. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Today, we're going to talk about why AP moms can't get a good night's sleep and what you should do about it. So when I say AP, I mean attachment parenting or moms who believe in conscious parenting where you're really focusing on the needs of your little one, which is a good way to parent. But we often come to a point where we wonder, why are other moms who don't do this getting sleep or perhaps why do they seem to be getting sleep? And Why am I not getting sleep? And how can I make sure that I am getting sleep? So is your little one going on two, three, four years and nobody is sleeping? I think that's the problem with AP sleep solutions is you feel like this is a good thing for my young baby or even for my older baby. If you've heard me talk about sleep before, you know that that I really recommend that you go with the flow with sleep until your baby is a little bit older, four to six months, and then you can begin some sleep routines. And then really a year, 11 months, a year or older before you try and really work on any sleep solutions. And we talked about that a little bit in the episode on how to wean or to keep breastfeeding. And I'll link to that in the show notes because it talks about night weaning, which will be something we cover a little bit in this episode. But but when you have a, an older child or an older baby, toddler, preschooler who's not sleeping, that's when you start to think, okay, maybe I need to reevaluate or maybe there are some weaknesses in this AP thing. Maybe some moms are able to deal with waking over and over and over again with a toddler and a preschooler, but I'm just, I'm not dealing very well with that. I'm becoming a bear. That's when it's time to look at something different. There are There are a lot of AP proponents who say AP is focusing on the child's needs and that you're being there for the child and that's what he or she needs. And so there's not really a lot of solutions given for a mom in this place. The problem is, is that a mom in this place is not only exhausted, but her child may not be happy. And, and that's what we're, we're going to come back to that in more detail. But that's where a problem is really created. And it's important to address that instead of just covering it up and saying, I'm going to suffer through for my little one. I think that there are times in parenting always where we're inconvenienced or where we have to put ourselves aside and be selfless for the name of our child. But there's also times where having our child learn that something is good for the family is beneficial. And again, this is really focused on older babies, but there may be some nuggets of wisdom for you who have younger babies or who are preparing for your babies too. So first, it's important to clarify what are reasonable expectations when talking about sleep. And so going back to that newborn period, I think it's very reasonable to expect that things are going to be crazy with a newborn. Now, I don't think that that means that you can't very quickly start to put things in place, such as 
You may change your baby's diaper with all the lights on and everything in the middle of the night every time for the first couple weeks. But once you've got the hang of the diaper changes and you could pretty much do it while you were sleeping anyways, you may want to have keep the lights low and just start teaching your little one that it's not an all-night party time, that we're not going to turn on the lights, that we're going to try and keep things drowsy. Essentially, you're just you're creating an environment that may help encourage your little one to sleep when you want him or her to sleep. So, I mean, that's okay. But I, it's, it's reasonable to expect that a newborn is not going to sleep through the night by any stretch of the imagination, that you're going to be nursing several times a night, that things are going to be crazy as the two of you adjust to things, as baby adjusts to life outside the womb, as baby realizes that nighttime isn't the time to have an all-night party, which was often a party time for babies in the womb because you were still and not being, and so baby wasn't being lulled to sleep by your movement. So all of a sudden baby's up and moving in the night. And that may still be a pattern. That's reasonable. It's it's also reasonable to expect night wakings, but not have those all-night parties with a young baby. Like I said, you, you stop turning on the lights at full bright every time you need to change a diaper or nurse. And I highly recommend that you learn to nurse lying in bed because that will greatly facilitate not having to turn all the lights on and super position yourself and look into some things about laid back breastfeeding. I can put some links to that. I talk about that in my mama baby birthing classes, but that can be really quite freeing for mamas and babies, both for rest for you and also because it frees you up a little bit to interact with older kids, which is another nice benefit. But that's another topic. So with a younger baby who has moved past the newborn stage, but it but hasn't hit that, you know, getting close to a year or a toddler mark. Those babies will wake for night nursings. I think that's very normal for a baby to need to nurse through the night. Now, the number of nursings is debatable. Some moms will say a baby needs to nurse every time they wake. And I, I think in the early months, really, that's the best policy. But once your baby's getting close to a year, I also think that it's reasonable that you may not want your baby to nurse every half hour or every hour. And we can talk more about that. So, I mean, there's there's a balance here for sure. But it's reasonable to expect that a younger baby, even up into, into being close to a year, is going to have some night wakings. And it's also reasonable to expect that you as mom don't have to provide an all-night party. It can be an, okay, we're going to nurse, and then we're going to go back to bed. Some moms continue doing diaper changes, or if you're ECing using elimination communication, you may choose to offer a potty chance at this time. Other moms just want a really heavy-duty nighttime diaper that's going to stand up to everything, and I think that's okay. Um, sleep may, may trump anything else other than nursing. So, But whatever you do, it's going to be subtle, and it's going to be understated. It's going to be appropriate for nighttime, and your little one can learn that nighttime is nighttime. I think that it's reasonable to expect an older baby, like 12, 13, 14 months, or a toddler to sleep well. Maybe to have one final nursing before bed, or one nursing when you come to bed, and then maybe to have one early morning nursing if you desire. But I think it's very reasonable that unless your baby has a lot of special needs going on, um, or is really having trouble growing, and you really feel strongly that you need to keep up all that night nursing, I think it's reasonable to expect that this child is going to sleep well. 
the real reason for why I think that's reasonable is because sleep is so important. I hinted at this in the introduction, but sleep, I mean, it's just crucial. It's crucial and critical to your functioning throughout the day. Lack of sleep impacts your well-being. It impacts your ability to be a parent, to make good parenting choices. It it greatly impacts your ability to be patient with your children, from your baby that you're up with to your older children. If you're sleep deprived, it's much harder to be the peaceful, serene, conscious mama that you want to be. It it really impacts your enjoyment of your children, especially if you're to the point where you may be feeling some resentment for being up at night. It impacts how much you can enjoy your little one. And of course, lack of sleep can become downright dangerous. In addition to influencing your parenting, impacting your overall productivity, we all know uh, about drivers who fell asleep at the wheel and that sort of thing. I mean, lack of sleep, when it builds and builds and builds, can frankly become dangerous. And it's important to keep that in mind. Your little one is depending on you to nurture him or her at night and meet his needs. But your little one is also depending on you to be able to get yourself to the grocery store and back without getting in a major accident because you're exhausted. I think that anybody would realize that's a valid argument. Sleep isn't just critical to you though. It's also critical to your little one. Your child's body needs time to rest. Research on the sleep that children need has shown so much that even a slight lack of sleep can impact immune function. It can impact your child's brain development. I mean, those things are lack of sleep is just as detrimental to your child as it is to you. Now, I won't argue that there are people who need less sleep and people who need more sleep. And perhaps it is true that we can see this even in small children, that you may have one child who needs less sleep at a particular age than another child did. But for the most part, children need a lot of sleep. And chances are your child needs more sleep than you do. That's just true. Little ones need a lot of sleep. Your little one spent a lot of time sleeping in the womb. And even up through the preschool years will need daytime sleep when you don't or you may need a little bit of daytime sleep. But, you know, they'll need that sleep and then they need to... They need more nighttime sleep, even on up into adolescence. So I have young people in my home, and they're starting to get to the point where they go to bed later than me. But on the other hand, I get up at 5 a.m., and they they don't get up quite that early. So they stay up reading a little bit later than we do typically, but they still need quite a bit of sleep. And research is saying that teenagers need a lot of sleep anyways. So, you know, maybe all that whole... They don't, they need less sleep than me as bunk all through the life cycle. I don't know. But the point is, is your little one needs sleep for proper development and for just to give their body a rest and for immune function. Your little one also benefits from having sleep because he or she learns to respect the rhythm of the family. In the last podcast episode where I talked about handling the kids when you're outnumbered, I, I talked some about, or a lot, about creating a rhythm and routine for your family. And family life that runs on a rhythm and routine tends to be more peaceful and wholesome for everybody in the family. 
And when your little one sleeps when everybody else is sleeping, he or she is part of that rhythm and routine, part of that family unit. And that's a good thing. It's a blessing to a child to learn how to be part of a family unit. And I'm not saying that anything harsh needs to be done to enforce this or that you need to give your child any long lectures or anything. This is one of those things that just is kind of absorbed as a piece of identity and as a piece of what we do. You know, in my family, we're the Burgesses and we go to sleep now. (laughs) That kind of thing. It's just, and it brings a sense of security and belonging to a child as well as contributing to something greater than his or herself. So like, like I said, it's about family rhythms and understanding others' needs. Your little one, especially if you're dealing with a toddler or preschooler, can begin to understand that mama needs this sleep. And so when I, you know, decide that I'm going to sacrifice my getting up with mama for nursing or just getting up, if you have one who's waking even, even though they don't want to nurse, then they start to learn that mama needs this sleep, so I need to help respect this. And that's a good lesson for a little one. It's, I do think this is a matter of balancing your child's needs and your needs. I think that the argument that we should be devoted to giving our children what they need during early childhood is certainly very valid. I think that the attachment parenting perspective is certainly very valid. But I think that it can be taken to an extreme that it shouldn't be taken to. Let's, let's get into the house now. So how can an AP parent get some sleep? As I talked about in the dealing with the crowd when you're being overwhelmed, rhythm and routine are really important and they're a good place to start. And you can start this even with a tiny baby. Even if you don't have any expectations of getting more sleep, you can create rhythm and routine around their sleep times. Bedtime routine is really important. Almost all the advice you read from the most mainstream parenting author to the crunchiest, most AP author you could possibly imagine, they all agree that creating a nice bedtime routine is good for a child. It helps them understand, okay, we're going to wind down now, and this is sleep time. It's very nurturing and nourishing to a child to have rhythm and routine throughout their days. Again, like I talked about extensively in the last podcast episode. So creating a bedtime routine is just an extension of that nourishing daily rhythm and routine. And it's something that a child can count on that helps them to know what to expect. That's very empowering to a child and it creates a lot of security for a child. So it's definitely a good thing. Along with that rhythm and routine for the nighttime, it's, it's important, I think, to have daytime movement. So a regular set daytime routine, excuse me, really helps a little one and especially including times of movement for active little ones. They need to be able to get out and about a daily walk or if that's not feasible, for instance, when I'm recording this, we just got tons of snow dumped on us in northern Michigan and so my little ones aren't out playing and running quite as much, though they do enjoy getting out in the snow, but we set up a little slide inside the house for them. So they can climb up the little slide and go down, and they will, over and over and over and over and over again. But they're able to get out there and get active and get moving. So a daily walk or a little kid-safe rebounder or trampoline in the house or a slide or even doing dancing or exercise videos with you. Little ones love that. Th- those are all ways to get them active and get them moving. And I don't, I don't think you should do this right before bedtime. 
but definitely have some periods during the day where they're able to get that movement, not for the sake of having them do quote-unquote exercise, but because they as little children have a lot of energy and movement is good for their body for helping them develop optimally. So, And that really facilitates them going to sleep because they've had a satisfying day where they've had lots of activity, where they've had a chance to run off some of that energy, where their bodies have gotten that proscriptive input that their bodies need. They need that touch. They need that feeling of dancing and moving and running and walking and and rolling and doing all those things that little ones like to do. All of that is very nourishing and balancing to their bodies. And it helps organize them for better sleep at night. So include those things in your routine. Have the beautiful bedtime routine, of course. I mean, it may include a book and a bath and nursing. And you can reorder it in all kinds of different ways, depending on what you think is right. Some moms like to nurse a little bit before sleep, but not nurse to sleep. They want to put the baby down in the bed. And I mean, however you decide to do that, do what works for you and your family. But... In addition to that bedtime routine that you design, make sure that you're consciously including times of movement and activity for your little ones. And by activity, I mean physical activity. Naps can be a problem with nighttime sleep. Many of us think, oh, well, he's had too much of a nap or he napped too long. And that can certainly be an issue. But more often than not, if naps are a problem, it's lack of a nap. So if your little one is not getting enough daytime sleep, Paradoxically, he or she may not sleep very well at night. Look at recommendations for baby sleep. If you want somebody that's really AP friendly, look at somebody like Dr. Sears, something like that. They usually have charts that tell you about how much sleep a child needs or how much sleep a child needs at night and how much sleep a child needs in the day. And your little one may need a two-hour nap. And if he's only getting a 30-minute nap, then being overly tired and hyper-stimulated could actually make it harder to get good quality nighttime sleep. And you may find that your child sleeps better when they have a good nap. And then they're able to just, they have the energy to get through the rest of the day and then wind down without having to get more and more and more nuts. Crazy manic is what we call it in our house. And we can definitely see it in a child that's overly tired. They just get manic and kind of go crazy in the evening. And that child didn't get a nap that he or she needed. If you have a preschooler or an older toddler, it can be a harder balance because they're getting to the point where they're ready to reduce or drop a nap. And so it, it can be tougher to figure out, do they need more of a nap? Do they need less of a nap? Do they need a nap some days and not others? And that can make things challenging. But often with a young toddler or baby, getting a good nap in the day is going to help enhance the quality of their nighttime sleep. As I've already said a couple times, bedtime is for sleeping. Bedtime is for sleeping. That's just the way that it is in our family. Bedtime is for sleeping. If we get up, say to go potty or to have nursing, then we go right back to sleep. And I personally would recommend that there not be snacks in the middle of the night, that you may let your child have some sips of water before bed, but then, you know, we're not getting up in the night for water unless you're night weaning, in which case maybe a sippy of water may be helpful for a few weeks to facilitate that. But otherwise, if a child has the expectation that I can get up for water or I can get up to do this or I can get up to do that over and over and over again, they're probably going to take advantage of that. So you need to set the expectation, you know, that we get up 
to go to the bathroom, then lights are back off and we go right back to sleep. Or if we get up to nurse, maybe lights never even come on. If we get up, we have a diaper change, then lights off and right back to sleep. And if you're in a family bed, I would recommend you have anything you need right by the bed. So if you do diaper changes in the night, the diapers are right there. If you EC, then the EC potty is right there. Um, I know some moms carry their little one to the bathroom, and that may work for you, but... I've found that having it right there so that mom and baby can get right back to sleep, unless you might need to go to the bathroom too, is, I mean, that's a really good idea. So we're not getting up to read stories. We're not getting up to get water. We're not getting up to discuss this or that. We're not having a talk time. It's just time to go to sleep. Of course, use your judgment. There may be a time when you decide to do differently or make an exception, but as a general rule, bedtime is for sleeping. And if your child tries to get up and sit up in bed or play with a toy or something, even after you've told them to go back to sleep, be gentle but firm. Put your child back in bed. Uh, I had one listener who had a little one who kept getting up and, you know, she just put her arms around him and, and held him and he wasn't happy about it. He cried a little bit, but... He got the picture that when mama says it's time to go to bed, we lay down and go to bed. We don't get up and go play. We go to sleep. And it only took a couple nights. And she thinks it was just that she was being gentle but firm and saying, look, I'm the mama. And the sun has gone down long ago and it's nighttime. We're going to go to sleep. And he just got that picture and then he was able to settle in and rest a lot better. So even if your little one keeps getting up, you know, you're the mom. Be gentle but firm. Hold the hold the child in your arms. You don't have to, you know, put them in a crib all by themselves if you don't want to. Or put them in a toddler bed in a room halfway across the house. You don't have to do that. Uh, you can nurture them and hold them and love them while still helping them understand that there are boundaries and behaviors that we're, we're not going to have or that we are going to have at night. The question usually comes up, should you night wean? And you can go back and listen to the episode on weaning or continuing breastfeeding because I do cover night weaning and when you should or maybe you should not night wean in depth on that episode. But in general, I believe that if you're getting plenty of sleep and everybody's happy, that you shouldn't night wean. And I really think that night weaning considerations should wait till your baby is late in the first year or on into the second. But... If you're not getting a lot of sleep and you're feeling stressed out with life, with the lack of sleep, if you're feeling stressed out with breastfeeding in general, that night weaning can be a gentle and effective way to re-energize you to continue to breastfeed and to help facilitate you and your little one getting more sleep. So I'll link to the to the weaning episode in these show notes, but... I think that night weaning doesn't have to be an option, but it may be a good option for families that are really not getting a lot of sleep because there's a lot of waking to nurse going on. And I I understand that there are some moms who can sleep completely through their baby nursing. And when my babies are little, I can do that. But I'm also one of those moms who personally, once I have an older baby who starts to get kicky or anything like that at night, uh, I just, I can't sleep through that. And if my little one's waking me up every half an hour or every hour to nurse, even if I can fall right back asleep, all of those wakings become exhausting for both of us. So I, I, I don't think that you're a bad mom. If you don't want to keep nursing at night and if you can't sleep through it peacefully like the idyllic uh, 
AP mama can. That's okay. I mean, we're real women here. We're real families here. So listen to that to that night weaning episode or the weaning episode if you want to know more about night weaning and how how you can decide that's right and how mom can do it or how daddy can help with it. Another question that often comes up is should we move our little one to his or her own bed? For us, that's been that's been a hard choice. And usually it's been prompted by the fact that our kids turn into kickers or Corwin was actually a pincher. And I just, I don't want to be kicked all night long or pinched all night long. And that's, that's what's caused us to move a little one. Now for us, moving them to their own bed has always meant a bed in our room. And then when we're ready to have our room back, it means moving to a bed in a sibling's room. So our, our little ones never go to their own room, which I think makes it easier for me to decide to move them out of the family bed because I know that even when they move ultimately out of mama and daddy's room, which Corwin is still in our room right now in his own bed, but even when he moves, he's going to go into a room with three brothers. He's never going to be alone at night. And I think there's something inherently nurturing and nice about that sibling presence too, just as with their as with a parenting presence. But I, I mean, I think that if you're happy having your child in your bed and there's not an issue like kicking or something like that going on, or if you're able to overcome that, and if you are, maybe you should let me know because I'll have you as a guest on the podcast. But, you know, if you can overcome that or if there's not those issues there, then you don't have to move your child out of your bed. Even if you choose to night wean, and again, I talk about that that on the weaning podcast, you don't have to move your child out of your bed if that's not what you desire. Again, this is a time when you look at what's working and what's not working for your family. And remember that if the family bed isn't working for your family, you don't have to feel like a failure. And you also don't have to choose to put your child in a bed all the way across the house or in a crib all the way across the house. It could be like we've always done with our babies, that they go to a bed in our room. It could be that they start the night in their own bed and then they come to bed with you at a certain point throughout the night. That's a choice we've made for some of our children. So it really look at your situation look at what's not working and look at creative solutions that may help it to work or creative solutions that may change something like a family bed uh, but still have you able to keep an eye on your child or feel like you're parenting or mothering your child in the night the way that you want to now when you're working on nighttime changes either night weaning or creating routines where you know you're rubbing your child's back and he or she is you know just laying right back down in bed and you're going to go right back to bed or when you're introducing a bedtime routine that sort of thing how long should you expect changes to take I have found in my experience with pretty much all of my children that big sleep changes take two to three weeks and it's not realistic to expect that it will go faster than that And it's also realistic to expect that that's about the right amount of time. So it may mean less sleep for two to three weeks. Or it may mean that, say, Daddy, you have to get a lot more involved in the nighttime parenting for a couple of weeks while your child transitions away from, uh, you know, being stuck to mama all night long. Those are all reasonable. I think two to three weeks. And then if if things haven't settled into a nice routine after two to three weeks, you may want to reevaluate. And of course, at any time, if you feel really uncomfortable or really guilty or something comes up like a sickness or something, then feel free to just put that, this on hold, 
go back to the way it was, reevaluate other options, wait for everybody to get healthy, that sort of thing. This is all about what works for your family. I'm just giving you some overviews on things that may be reasonable and options that you may decide to choose. I do think that it's important to be sensitive to your child's nighttime needs, to tread carefully, to ask for wisdom from other mamas, but I don't think that it necessarily means that you have to dismiss your own needs. I think it's important to look at your needs and your child's needs and realize that being a mama, it, it's, it's part of being, it's being balanced. It's meeting your child's needs and helping them learn to understand that other people have needs too. Helping them learn to give and to love. And surely at the very beginning in the newborn period, it's all you doing the give, 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 give. But as your child grows, it becomes important really quickly, again, for them to start to feel that family rhythm and that sense of belonging and being part of something that's greater for themselves than themselves. And I really think that you can gently help most children come to understand that and happily have most children and parents getting more sleep and being happier in the process. Okay, if you enjoyed this episode... Please leave a rating in iTunes or on Stitcher. If you have a couple minutes, leave me a comment. I love reading those on iTunes especially. Um, if you would like to get regular updates about the podcasts or articles, I've started doing videos too, so regular updates about videos, then you can head over to TrustBirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. And sign up for my newsletter. I would love to have you. You'll get tips on having a healthy pregnancy, having a great birth, and baby tips here and there. I do lots of baby stuff on the podcast, so I hope that you enjoy that. Uh, And I will love having you as a listener and as a reader. Let me know if I can help you with anything. Have a blessed week, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.